why is this 80-20 thing so pervasive? And when it comes to people, I mean, I can see why it's other things, but when it gets down to people, and so then, then we made the, what I think is the key distinction in this area, and that is I looked at all the things that the 20% high performers had and the 80% high performers had, what was in common in both groups. Intelligence is common in both groups. Education is common in both groups. Ability, skills, talents, training, virtually everything across the board is present in both groups. But what it got down to was the deciding factor that I realized is the difference between the 80 and the 20 is the 20% high performers do what needs to be done when it needs to be done on a relentlessly consistent basis. And the 80% people like me know what needs to be done, but we find ourselves unable for some reason to take that action consistently. Welcome to the Home Service Expert, where each week, Tommy chats with world-class entrepreneurs and experts in various fields like marketing, sales, hiring, and leadership to find out what's really behind their success in business. Now, your host, the Home Service Millionaire, Tommy Mello. Welcome back to the Home Service Expert. My name is Tommy Mello, and today I have two guests. These two are absolutely amazing guys. I've got to know them over the course of the last few months. I was given their book, and somehow it ended up on my bookshelf. And I picked it up, and I became obsessed with it. It's a very quick read. It's called The Consistency Chain for Network Marketing. But it, you know, it really applies to any business. I've got Jim Packard and George Campbell here. Before you guys jump on and introduce you both, uh, Jim is an expert in leadership development, entrepreneurship, coaching, marketing, business strategy, team building, relationships, and management. He's based in Wickenburg, Arizona. He's a consistency chain partner from 2018 to now. Uh, John Maxwell, team trainer and coach from 2011 to present. Send out Carr's senior executive. That's from 2005 to now. And Icon Office Solutions. Uh, pretty big on LinkedIn. He's the co-author of the consistency or the author of Consistency is the New Currency. He built several successful businesses, including one with roughly 16,000 representatives and 40,000 customers. Del Carnegie, instructor, certified trainer for John Maxwell Leadership Team, certified trainer for Kauffman Center for Entrepreneurship. The Shep Herder Inventions through development and appeared on QVC over 25 times. This is Jim, and I'm going to introduce George. George is an expert when it comes to motivational speaking, personal development, uh, leadership, and it goes on and on. Uh, he's based out of Tucson, Arizona. He's part of the consistency chain. And uh, Joe Malarkey, Productions owner, he's the author of the consistency chain for network marketing. After a decade of award-winning stand-up comedy, he got into professional speaking, and he's doing that for more than 20 years. He has educated and entertained tens of thousands of people at hundreds of events. In 2002, he was inducted in the NSA Speakers Hall of Fame. He's been featured on 60 Minutes and interviewed on a cover article in LA Times. This is a rap sheet pretty long, guys. I know. I had no idea we were so impressive. (laughs) Well, it's pretty cool. You guys have a great story here the book is it's so cool because 
It's not super small. It's not super big, but it is. It's a quick read and you just get into it. And the first thing I got it at 10 pages and I kept going, kept going. And then I was done. <laughs> and it's such a cool book. And listen, I've endorsed a lot of books on, on this podcast, but this book is like, it's one of the top books I've read because it's quick and it's got a story and it's got a message. I gave it to my good buddy, Brandon Vaughn, and he became obsessed with it. He said he's never worked out harder. A lot of the little things in his life started to change. So I just want to hear your guys' perspective, how you guys met each other, how you wrote the book, a little bit about your backstory, where you're going with this whole thing. Because it's a movement that you guys are working on, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You want me to start, George? How yeah, please. How you? Okay. Yeah. I was in a, um, a network marketing company, and one of my sons called me and said, Hey, Dad, uh, I have a speaker coming to our event, and he's going to be uh, speaking, and uh, and he wanted me to know. So, obviously, uh, I drove down to Tucson to, to the event, and I'm sitting there, uh, Tommy, and I'm going, oh, this guy's good. I mean, I'm wondering, how did Jeff meet him? I mean, and uh, I later found out that George was a stand-up comic for 10 years came up with, a, you know, the Jerry Seinfeld and that whole group of comics that came up at the same time. I later found out that he was on 60 Minutes, which to me, that's pretty impressive. And it actually was on To Tell the Truth. And But I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm laughing at him. He's doing a, a routine called, his, his stage name was Joe Malarkey, America's Worst Motivational Speaker. And when we got done, I remember going up to him and, and going, oh my gosh, George, if you ever need a partner, down the road, I'd love to be your partner. I'm also thinking, boy, wouldn't I love to have this guy on my team? Because he just has so much charisma. I've since found out that I'm glad that he wasn't on my team. But that's another story, and we'll talk about that later. So uh, he's a very talented person, and I'm really humbled to be his partner. Well, I, I was just going to say, the whole book is written in a, a kind of two contexts, because there would be George's perspective and Jim's perspective. So kind of guys how you narrated the whole book which you could talk about that right after you did your introduction george sure well and it kind of feeds right into that because the first time i saw jim he was also on a stage but he was on a stage for having actually accomplished something and uh it was at a sent out cards event and he was on stage and he and his two sons were three of the top money earners in this company and i was firmly holding down my position at the back of the room because I had seen network marketing for years and I had always dabbled in it. I'd never been successful in it. I've enjoyed some success in other areas of my life, but that wasn't one of them. So Jim was the person basically that I wanted to be. And I never could understand why I couldn't get there. And it, it was something that wouldn't let go of me. It was like, how can I be successful in some other areas of my life and fail so miserably in this one? And that was kind of the beginning journey of this whole thing. It was, it was four years ago, I started doing the research in, in how is it possible for smart, capable people to know exactly the few simple things that if they did them on a regular basis would change their lives. And yet, for some reason, they find themselves unable to take those actions. And that was kind of the beginning part of this journey. So the consistency chain, I like the, the symbolism of a chain. And the chain breaks if one of the links break. You're only as strong as your your weakest link. Right. It's kind of the definition of a chain. And uh, 
you go through a lot of stuff. Both of you guys are, are talking about a lot of stuff in the book of, of examples of basically the 80-20 rule. And all of us right. have heard of the 80-20 rule. I think most of the people that are listening to this are pretty yep. educated when it comes to leadership and the 80-20. But I want to really apply that to even though I'm good at a lot of things like business, there's, there's a lot of things I'm not. Maybe I don't make it to the gym every day. There's certain things we don't do well, like communicate maybe with family, better fathers, better ki- kids sometimes with right. other their parents. So talk to me about, in the beginning, we talk about the 80-20 rule and how that applies to the consistency chain. And sure. I don't want to pick on either of you because you guys know the story better on who. So I'll let you guys decide who takes what. Yeah. Well, let me just, I'll delve into this because I had a client call me back in the heydays of the Joe Malarkey show. And he was looking for a speaker that was going to come in. And he said, we want to address the, the Pareto problem, which is Vilfredo Pareto is the man who came up with the, the 80-20 rule. And he said, you know, this was a guy, a company that he says, in our sales force, we're a classic Pareto company. 80% of our sales come from 20% of our salespeople. 20% of our sales come from 80. He said, I want to, I want to turn that around. And as he's talking to me, I'm thinking, why is he talking to me? I do a show called Joe Malarkey, the worst motivational speaker in America. If he's calling me, that means he's called everybody else in the directory. He's out of ideas. And uh, he asked me if I thought I could help him with that. And of course, I said, yeah, because I'm not above lying to get a gig. (laughs) But the funny thing is, I never forgot that conversation. As I started to do the research, I was like, why is this 80-20 thing so pervasive? And when it comes to people, I mean, I can see why it's other things, but when it gets down to people. And so then then we made what I think is the key distinction in this area, and that is I looked at all the things that the 20% high performers had and the 80% high performers had, what was in common in both groups. Intelligence is common in both groups. Education is common in both groups. Ability, skills, talents, training, virtually everything across the board is present in both groups. But what it got down to was the deciding factor that I realized is the difference between the 80 and the 20 is the 20% high performers do what needs to be done when it needs to be done on a relentlessly consistent basis. And the 80% people like me know what needs to be done, but we find ourselves unable for some reason to take that action consistently. And when I made that distinction, then a lot of things started to fall in place. And that was kind of, there's like three parts to this, but that's the first part, which is what is the problem? And Jim, Jim is a perfect example of consistency. I mean, Jim literally from his paper route as a boy through building a $17 million a year company with a $500 investment to being married. What is this year, Jim? What is this marriage? If we make it, it'll be 50 years in August. Oh, nice. Years. It's awesome. And I contrast that with myself. I've, I had really great success in one venture in my life and struggles in almost everything else. I also, it won't be this year, but I will be celebrating my 50th wedding anniversary. Now, it's going to take me three wives to do it. <laughs> but still, I might hey, Vision's a great thing. <laughs> you know, George was talking about the 80-20, and I owned a copier business for 25 years. And 
we didn't have the number of employees that you had, Tommy, but we had about 110 employees and and we had a sales staff of about 30. And you look at those numbers and 20% of those guys gave us 80% of our revenue. And even when you look at a network marketing business, uh, I don't know if there's 80, 20 in network marketing, probably close to the 95, five, but I would always look at bright, capable people that I'd brought on board. And, and when they weren't successful, I would just chalk it up that they didn't have the focus or they didn't have the commitment or they didn't have a big enough why. And little did I know that that couldn't be further from the truth. It had nothing to, nothing to do with them wanting it. It had everything to do with the, their strategy of obtaining it. Right. Right. And, you know, and the, the Jim talks about this. He kind of falls naturally into a leader or a, a high-level entrepreneur role in this. And the frustration that he had with seeing people that he knew were capable of, of performing much greater than, than they were at the time, the frustration of not being able to put them in action the way that they could be. And then I, I represent the other side of that, where if, if you think it's frustrating not being able to get somebody else to do something, imagine the frustration when you can't get yourself to do it. And knowing that you could do more, knowing that you could be more, knowing that you can have more, and for some damn reason, and it's not because you don't want it, and it's not because... I mean, I did all the other, I did the tr- all the traditional things, you know, write down your goals, have a plan. I did all that stuff. I well, just sure. found myself on a I, daily basis unable to follow through on it. I came up with a brilliant, what we call the daily eight scorecard and send out cards. And it was brilliant. It had the eight things that you had to do every single day to be successful. And I was living proof of it, not only myself, but both my kids followed it. And I, I remember you know, George getting that form and I'll let you tell the rest of that story, George, of those daily eight. Yeah. I, I was so excited at the convention where they introduced us. It was a beautiful little activity tracking book. In fact, is I have both of them in pristine condition, never been used. <laughs> They're priceless. And I told Jim, I said, the problem with your daily eight scorecard for someone like me is it's seven too many. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it just blew me away. The more you task me and dilute my focus, the less likely I am to do any of it, which is absolutely proven by those books because there's nothing. I mean, there, there isn't a mark in one. I didn't even sign my name where you were supposed to sign your name. <laughs> that was called your commitment. <laughs> yeah, you know, you guys, I, I love this conversation because I think what it all comes back to, you talk about focus, blood, sweat, and tears. For some reason, I always go back to working out because I know that people have the toughest time with diets and hitting the gym, but this is, I really want to apply this a little bit more to, to home service and business in general. Sure. And I want to hear more about the eight step, eight things, uh, the daily eight, but I love the story of the Navy SEALs because I happen to be part of this huge, over a thousand people at a convention and the Navy SEAL who killed Osama bin Laden came out and he talked about, man, it's tough to become a Navy SEAL. Like, then you got uh, SEAL Team, what is it, six that he was part of. And that's the toughest one. It's like the elite of the elite, what what is the one that they sent. But I think the story you guys put is they basically drowned you and then they give you this little bell when you come out of it and you're gasping for air. And all you got to do is ring the bell. Now, the difference is, is these two guys, right? They're just two of the same guys, but they think differently, but the same body chemistry. Same agility, same cardiovascular. They're exactly the same. 
one guy is able to get through it. The other guy is not. And the majority of people fail. Like they weed yeah. everybody out through it. But the difference is, and you guys could correct me if I'm wrong, because I've read this book a lot, but I haven't read it today. Is one guy says, I don't think I can take two more weeks of this. This is nuts. I can't take. So they, they compartmentalize it in this long stretch. Or the other guy says, I might not be able to take two weeks, but I know I can get to lunch. Yeah, and then right. he says at lunch, I know I can get to dinner. And I know I can get to tomorrow morning. Like I said, either one of you talk to me a little bit about that, that framework of that thoughts, because I think that's about quitting smoking. I can't quit smoking a pack a day, but I think I can make it another 10 minutes or well, another I'll let, hour. I'll let George talk about the Navy SEALs because he's done a lot of research on that, Tommy. But when those Navy SEALs, all the people that go into that training, it's, it's the top. It's the top of the top that go into the training and they still have the 80-20 factor once they're in training. Yep. which is amazing. Yeah, I mean, to, to, to qualify, to even go to the introductory program, which is called BUDS, Basic Underwater Demolition, you have to pass a really tough physical test and a battery of uh, psychological tests. And of all the people that apply to the initial test just to get in, 80% of them fail. And so then we're left with the 20% who actually make it to BUDS. And it's usually a class of anywhere from 100 to 200 people. And of that, 80% of them fail. And you think about what is the percentage of the Navy SEALs that are in SEAL Team 6? Well, there's six teams. So that's about 20%. So again, you you never get away from the 80-20 thing. But the thing to think about, I mean, it's the guys that are able to pull their focus back because when you're out there and they have a place called the grinder, which pre-dawn every morning, you're out there doing push-ups and set-ups and pull-ups. And in my case, it would be throw-ups. And, <laughs> and they're, they're spraying you with cold water and they're yelling at you. And it's just the mo- they're putting you through the most legally available punishment that they can in order, because their whole goal, they can't look at this whole group and tell who's going to be a Navy SEAL. The only way they can get Navy SEALs to get everybody that shouldn't be a Navy SEAL to quit. That's the whole goal. It's an elimination course. And so when you have two guys side by side doing all the stuff, and I've seen documentaries on this where they talk about it and just say, yeah, I was just looking at, you know, we got two more weeks of this and then we got hell week, which is like one long night. And it just, yeah, there's no way. No, I know. I I think about it myself and it's crazy. It's crazy. Not only because, I mean, this guy's story and just thinking about SEAL Team 6, but it's just crazy to know. It's like the the, the captains, the best of the best. It's kind of like the the honor society in high school or something, but, but 10 times better and harder. But the framework of the mind, I just love to think about the mindset of, yep. And who, which one of you guys was the ones that walked each day since? And that was me. So, Jim, yeah. you, you started this because it was in the book. You said it was tough. You, you oh. get in the groove and we all get in the groove and then we fall out. We get in the groove and it's like, man, we'll go two weeks and it's perfect. It's perfect. It's perfect. And then the E-Myth, Michael Gerber says, the skinny guy and the fat guy are two different people. And, and the skinny guy is going, this feels good. We're great. We're, we're energetic. We don't like... But the fat guy, just all it takes is so easy to fall off. It's so easy. It's so hard to get on. But it's so easy to fall off. What drove me nuts, Tommy, is that, and George alluded to it a little bit, 
I've had a very successful marriage and I'm, you know, kids have got their heads on straight and doing extremely well. Financially, I was fine. I started a business and sold it and retired in my 40s. But I've always struggled with, uh, with weight. And, and it just is mind-boggling to me that it can be 20%er in so many areas and yet an 80%er in other areas. Mm-hmm. You know, and I still struggle. I mean, I have two chains going on right now. One chain, I've got 776 days out of 777, which is my prospecting chain, which is easy for me to do. All right. My physical chain, I'm lucky if it's at 80% right now. And it's just it's mind-boggling to me that the same person, I'm trying to accomplish goals, and I'm, I'm writing out goals just like I used to do, you know, reach business goals. But there's some areas in your life that uh, you're just not wired to have that same success. Well, we, we talk about this. There are very few people that are pure 80% or pure 20% across the board. And our example is Oprah. I mean, when it comes to, to being a businesswoman and an entrepreneur, I mean, my God, she's in the 0.001% top. But the struggle that she's had with her health and her weight and her fitness all these years, and you think about it, my God, is there a woman on the planet who has more advantages in this than Oprah? I mean, she can hire personal chefs and private trainers. She can hire somebody just to follow her around full time and do nothing but slap food out of her mouth. <laughs> and, and yet she still struggles in this one area. So it, it is fascinating. It's, and I was kind of the reverse of Jim is that Jim has a, all these areas of his life that are kind of put together well. And I had one area of my life that I kind of nailed and everything else. Well, definitely <laughs> was, not your looks. No, I got that going all on. Oh, yeah, there's no question about that. I had to take something clever. But no, I, I know what you mean because there's a good book by Dan Thurman called Off, off Unbalanced, Unbalanced on Purpose. On purpose. Off yeah. Balance. And basically, I don't think anybody lives. If you think about your religion, your personal relationships, your business life, your exercise, I don't think we're designed as human beings. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you could have a perfect balance of everything. Where you could go out and have fun. You could be a great dad. You could be a great businessman. You could pray every day. I love to have the balance, but that, I know that when I'm doing amazing at your career, there's other things that are going to take a little right. bit of a punishment. I know one of my mentors, Al Levy, he wrote The Seven Power Contractor. He told his wife, he said, Listen, I'm going to spend the next two years, I'm going to document everything. I'm going to create manuals, standard operating procedures key performance indicators to track, we're going to suffer and you're not going to be happy with me, but I'm going to need you to commit to me that together we can do this because our lives in two years from now, within two years, he said, I was sitting on the beach in Hawaii with my wife and the craziest thing happened. My phone didn't ring. My wife was like, what's going on? And he goes, I promised you, this is what this would take. But the reason I thought of that and I didn't have that written down, it just kind of came to me was because I just don't believe in this. And this is not what the book is about, but you know, I understand where you're coming from, Jim, because there's things in my life that I wish I could do more of. And I think, but I love the, I love your prospecting chain too. I think that's super cool because I want to hear, this is off topic a little bit, but this is kind of training for, for people that are involved in the home service business. So what are those eight daily tasks. Now, now you got me intrigued by it, and I'm sure other listeners are. I mean, we can, we can just go through them real quick. I just want to write them down. 
You want me to go through them, George? <laughs> well, I mean, but they're good. They're, they were specific to the, the send-out cards business. Oh, they were I'm just not for sure how applicable. Cards. Yeah. Oh, so they're probably not applicable. Yeah. I'll get them from you later because I'm involved with send-out cards. <laughs> I'll sell you my planner if you'd like. I tell you, it's in gorgeous condition. So a lot of it has to do with prospecting, though, and I, I don't think we do enough of that. So let's talk a little bit about what you guys are working on. You're working on a project that's going to make it easier for people probably to be accountable towards one another. I've always thought of this. If I told a hundred people, I was going to stop drinking beer and I'm out that night drinking beer. I kind of look like an idiot. So sometimes people use social media or whatever. That's like a lot of people say that was right. quitting smoking, uh, quitting the smoke cigarettes, but tell me a little bit about this project. I mean, we've got a long time to go here. I'm just kind of, we'll talk about the project and related to the book a little bit. Yeah. Well, it was interesting because we wrote the book and we were talking to a lot of people in leadership positions and we, we kind of felt like because there's some contrarian things in the book, the strategy that we suggest for people that are having trouble with consistency is not the, the normal strategy that someone who's succeeded at their occupation or whatever it is, they had t- a tough time relating to it and they weren't sure it was real. And so what we decided we were going to do is we're going to take people who had read the book, who struggled with consistency, and we decided the best thing that we could do is to establish case studies so that we could actually verify with numbers that this worked. And so we started out about a year and a half ago with these, and it was fascinating. For one thing, so, so what we established, what we call them little chain gangs. And a chain gang is a group of three to five people who are connected together via, in the beginning, we connected together by a text, and then we did it on Facebook Messenger. And now we have a new program that we're going to roll out that's going to actually kind of automate this whole thing and, and make it better. But these chain gangs, what happened was, well, first of all, we had 100 people apply to be in it in the initial run. Well, we and, sent out all those questionnaires with different questions on them. Yeah. And if we, you remember correctly, George, I got the questionnaires back, Tommy, and I'm looking at them. George said, let's, let's go through these and we'll pick, uh, you know, we'll pick groups of three to five people. And I went through them and I said, okay, I've got 20 people right here. I'd like to put in seven different gangs or whatever it was. And, uh, and I asked George to go through the, the hundred questionnaires as well. And how many crossovers do you think we have? Not many. Zero. 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 Because, I mean, the, the questionnaire was about, we wanted to kind of establish a baseline of consistency for these folks. And Jim, as a leader, which you would think is what you do, he looked at them and said, okay, these are the top people. These are people that are so close to being able to do this. And I was like, well, those aren't my people. So I picked the people that had the, the greatest struggles with consistency because I thought if we can show that these folks who are at a consistency level in a key activity for whatever it is that they want to do. And most of them were building their own businesses, but the key activity they were doing maybe five to 10% of the time. And that may be generous. That's probably a stretch actually. Yeah. And what happened was we put them in these little groups. They didn't know each other. They didn't even have to have the same activity that they were going to commit to do, but we took them from five to 10% to a consistent 82, 83% month after month after month. It didn't matter if it was Thanksgiving, 
if it was the Christmas holidays, if it was COVID, if it was rioting in the streets, month after month after month, it's 82, 83%, which means that they're engaging in their key business building activities six days a week. So I'm curious because I wanted to find that a little bit. So you've got certain things of a business, right? You've got certain activities. Some of them's team building. Uh, you know, I'm curious to hear when you guys talk about building businesses, which everybody, the listeners are really right. involved in right now, what was that key activity or was it always different? How do you develop that key activity for business owners? I'm just curious to hear how that works. Right. Well, and, and, and it's going to be different for every business. In network marketing, it was pretty simple. It was reach out to two people or talk to one. It was like reach out to start the pre-conversation or actually talk to some one person about your business or opportunity. But it, we were not limited to that. We've got a guy who is a mortgage broker that his key activity was to send out these two personalized videos, very short videos that he would email out to past customers and, and contacts. And it was an activity that he knew he should be doing, but he couldn't get the leverage on himself to do it consistently. And within two months of starting with us, and his consistency wasn't perfect, by the way. Perfect's not required. It's great, which is what we shoot for, but he was probably in the 83, 84% range. But what he did, he said that after two months of this, he sold the biggest single uh, mortgage he had ever sold, and he was going to have the best month he had ever had in like 27 years of mortgage brokerage. And he's stayed at that level since then. I mean, I, we're probably nine months in with him. Some people that we've talked about that we're working with, they may have a fitness goal. And it may be, I'm going to run three miles a day and they or go to the gym. I mean, my, when I initially started this out, my goal was to work out 45 minutes to an hour every single day. And I made it 531 straight days before I ever had a break in the chain. You see, that to me... This is my perspective, but working out, quitting smoking, getting more sleep, eating healthy, those are so easy to choose. They're not easy to do. Don't get me wrong. But when it comes to identifying key activities in your business, I think a lot of people want to know where should I be spending my time? Like, for example, I know the, the one biggest thing that I need to do every single day. Well, we have a whole meeting on what's the one big thing we're going to do today. What's the one thing that needs to get done? Because for some reason, usually that gets pushed to the side with all these small things. Right. And you get to the end of the day and you go, the one thing I needed is probably the most annoying one. It's probably the one you, you know, it's a big task. It? There's a lot of work that goes behind it. Yeah. I'm just curious. Is there anything you got? But a lot of times you should know what your key activities are. I mean, you should know where, you're the best time being spent in your businesses. But I just find a lot of the people that, that I coach or, or that I, I've met say, you know, Tommy, I'm just wondering what your day looks like. So I do, right. I do an activity log to find out, well, let's see what the hell's going on in your life. I'm looking at your activity log in a 15 minutes of the whole day since you woke up and I'm seeing about an hour tops of productivity. Right. You're getting interrupted all the time. You're, you're yeah. a firefighter. So how do you identify, and I know there's probably not a black and white answer because it's really relative to the business owner, but what's the best take to identify that for a business owner? I mean, I, I think it is. It's going to be a really personal and informed decision from that business owner 
what I will say, and this kind of goes to what you said, is that but yeah, we were completely aware of how overtasked most people are. And so our rule of thumb is we understand you have a lot of things that you've got to get done in a day, that you're going to get done in a day. But this one thing that we've identified for today, that's getting done. Everything else, yes, sure. <laughs> Try really hard. But this is the one solid thing that is not going to strike midnight before this happens. The other thing is, I mean, we haven't, we haven't kind of done the backfill stuff of, of, of why this works, but by making it very, very simple and knowing that you win today, the challenge for the not good at delaying gratification. And so you say, well, I'm, I'm going to get in shape. Well, that's a really long-term far-off thing that the 80% literally are not wired for. I can get excited about it. I can maybe go for a little bit, but then I don't see the results. All I see is the effort going out. And so I, it's tough for me to stay enthused and tough for me to stay consistent with that. So what we want to do is like the Navy SEALs that say, just we're just going to make it to breakfast. I'm going to pull back this long-term delayed gratification dream that I have, goal that I had, I'm going to pull it back into something that I can finish today. And by finish, I don't mean necessarily finish the entire task, but if I've got a long-term project that needs to be done and I know it's going to take me some time, what I do know I can do is spend 25 solid uninterrupted minutes on this today. And that's going to be my win. And that's going to feel good. And that's going to feed my desire for instant gratification. I said I was going to do this, and I did that, and I win. Now, it's not done, but that's okay because this is going to be done in chunks. And yeah, so – go ahead, Jim. I was just going to say, you know, when you're on a business, I mean, I know, you know, based on what I read a little bit about you, and your goal is to be the, the biggest and the best in North America with your garage door business. Is that not correct, Tommy? Yeah, the largest and most trusted garage company. And you're approaching $40 million now, I understand? Well, yeah, yeah. We're going to do quite a bit more than that. But last year was just under that, yeah. I mean, you're, you know, you're a 20 percenter. You're going to get there, all right? When I own my copier business, I mean, my goal was to have the biggest copier dealership in the, in the state of Maine. So that was my goal. My goal was to retire by a certain time in Arizona, belong to a country club. I mean, I, I could look at it and delay gratification. I mean, I, I knew I was going to get there and I was going to do the work required to get there. But I also had a lot of people working for me that didn't have that same vision. And I had always used to bug me that I'd have a sales contest for 30 guys and I could tell you the top 20, who was going to win that contest? It was always the same people winning that contest. And I started looking and talk about challenges you know, I always looked at the rest of the people and go, why aren't they working hard to win this trip? Why aren't they working hard to get this TV or whatever we might be offering at the time? Little did I know that they weren't wired the same way to accomplish their goals. They couldn't look at the goal and go after it. What George is talking about is doing a daily activity so that that, that becomes their instant gratification of doing the activity. And if they do the activity every single day, they'll eventually reach the goal. Yeah. I mean, this is not just gobbledygook theory. They've done studies show that about 80% of the people think in a different portion, make their decisions in a part of their brain 
a different part of their brain than the 20%. The 20% tend to make their decisions in the prefrontal cortex, which is the executive functioning portion of the brain. It's where Jim built his businesses and sustained his marriage and raised his kids. It's the part of the brain that can look at any action in the short term and project what the long-term outcome is going to be. Now, that's where he's wired. But me, I'm different. I'm challenged with consistency because I'm my decisions tend to go through the ventral striatum, which is a much more primal part of the brain. And it, it makes decisions based on three criteria. Is it easy? Is it safe? Is it pleasurable? Now, this was a part of the brain that really served us well when we were chased by brontosauruses and stuff. But when you get to where we are today, it isn't, it isn't a good place to make your decisions. So if Jim is trying to... Uh, to build a business and he knows he needs to be making sales calls, well, he's going to pick up the phone. I mean, that's what he needs to do in the moment in order to take him further down that direction. Now, if, if me, like in a, going back to just network marketing for my personal example, I knew that to build a network marketing business, I needed to reach out and talk to people. But because I'm an introvert, picking up the phone and calling somebody was not easy. It didn't feel safe because they could say no. They could reject me. I could feel bad. And it certainly wasn't pleasurable. So Jim and I could both have exactly the same desire, which is to build a business. We could be looking at exactly the same activity, which is picking up the phone and talking to somebody. And we could make completely different decisions. His is going to lead to success. Mine is going to lead to not success. Now, I'm never going to say to myself in the moment, like in that example, I'm never going to say to myself, well, I'm not going to call anybody because that would be giving up and I'm not a quitter. No, what I'm going to do is I say Mondays are a terrible time to call people. Tuesdays are much better to get home. Wins, you know, then Tuesday comes around, you go, well, Tuesday. I mean, you can't call on Tuesday. People just get over Monday. Then you Wednesday. Well, Wednesday's hub day. You know, if you're in a traditional job, you just defer the action until, they, you know, you realize you no longer work there. If you're in a network marketing business, you defer the action until you realize you know, you're not. You just kind of fade away. You just fade away. Yeah. That's the reason why network marketing has a 85% turnover rate on a really short-term basis. And so it's that, that desire for instant gratification that forces my decisions. And so what the consistency chain is, it says all we're going to do is we're going to take, instead of trying to fight my nature, which you can do for a little bit. You see people diet, they can do it for a little bit, but it's not a long-term plan for them. So instead of trying to fight my innate desire for instant gratification, what I'm going to do, I'm going to feed it in such a way that it's going to propel me towards my long-term goal. And so you, you, that's what we're talking about in, in this single activity, this chain activity that we build this chain of, of action is, is I'm going to make each day in and of itself a victory for me. And it's going to feel good. And because it is just this one thing that I have my chain activity built on, well, that's pretty easy. And I know I've done it. I did it yesterday, so I can do it today. So that's safe. And it feels so good after I've done it. That's, it's pleasurable. So I basically hacked this ESP filter, this easy, safe, pleasurable filter, and I've gotten myself to do what it is I want. I want to do this. And because it's just one day, I can do it. And then and I never worried about tomorrow. I never, you know, I wasn't the Navy SEAL that said, I can't do this for three weeks. When I worked out 531 days in a row, I'll tell you what I never did. 
I never worked out tomorrow. Never. I just worked out today. And by just working out today and not having this long-term goal of some distant thing that I, you know, that was the way I got myself. Well, your goal wasn't to, to lose 50 pounds. It was just right. to be, it was to find a, what we call a direction, George, right? Uh, yeah. We, being healthier or fitter, yeah, whatever we, we, we talk about er goals, which are things like when I decided better, to work out, faster, yeah. yeah, I wanted to be healthier. I wanted to be fitter. I wanted to be stronger. You're better yeah. off tomorrow by doing it today. And for some reason, I know it's like the frontal cortex it's so easy because I see the end to get to a billion dollars. I need 2000 technicians to 500,000 to do that. I had to reverse engineer. How right. do I get 60 a month? Well, then I'm going to need two recruiters and four trainers. What do I need? I need a learning management system and all this stuff just makes sense. And people go, man, I want to be a millionaire one day. I go, but you don't even know where, like you have no work ethic. You don't know where. And I'm not saying they're less, but then I look at, you know, for example, working out, I'll tell you what, I don't know how many pushups it takes to get a thicker chest. And that's what I don't like is maybe I'm not using enough of my frontal cortex because exercise is one of those things where there's diet, there's sleep, there's how much water, there's a lot more things for me. Business is like, do this, 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 you're good. So I like the marshmallow story because this really shows how many people are using that. And we're wired as kids to be an 80% percenter for a lot of us. So, And and that was so eye-opening I love that story. You guys got to share. Yeah, and I'm, I'm going to have George tell it in a second. That was so eye-opening to me to realize that you're really pre-wired as early as five years old. And George, why don't you tell that story? Because, I mean, that's kind of the scientific metrics behind our whole philosophy. So in the, the late 1960s, early 1970s, a guy named George Michel at Stanford did a research study, and he brought in 503-year-olds, which I can't imagine what <laughs> that would have been. 305-year-olds, I said it backwards. Anyway, and one by one, he took them into a room and put a a marshmallow on a table and said to them, listen, you can eat the marshmallow if you want, but if you don't eat the marshmallow, when I come back, I'm going to give you a second marshmallow. And once again, 80-20 rears its ugly head. 80% of the kids ate the marshmallow. And this is where I always ask Jim, I said... So, so this is a little guy behind me. This is who I think of as Jim. So this is a little five-year-old Jim. Jim, would you have eaten the marshmallow? Yours, and I guess my answer would be, anytime I can get a 100% return on my investment, I'm going to wait. <laughs> exactly. Jim has every marshmallow he's ever earned. So Jim was not going to eat the marshmallow. Me, this is me. I'm going to eat the marshmallow before the guy leaves the room because that's the way I'm wired. So. The cool thing about this study is then they, they then followed up on all these kids in their teenage years, and they found that the ones that didn't eat the marshmallow had higher GPAs, higher SAT scores, and were more socially advanced. They followed up at midlife. They found that the kids that did not, kids, people that did not eat the marshmallows, more educational attainment, more professional advancement, they earned more money, they divorced less, they were healthier body mass index standpoint. And then 2011, they bring them back one more time and they put them in fMRI machines. And this is the part that really is the, what we were touching on before is they found that a technician could look at one or two areas of the brain and tell with 100% certainty whether or not that kid did or did not eat the, the marshmallow 50 years prior. 
I mean, think of the significance of that because there's the prefrontal cortex. That's the seat of 20% thinking. That's the seat of delayed gratification. There's the ventral striatum, a much more primitive primal, more base of the skull part of the brain. And that's the seat of instant gratification. Jim works out of the prefrontal cortex. I operate out of the, the ventral striatum. And so all the things that we've talked to people about over the years, the things that you need to do to be successful tend not to work. You know, you got to set big goals. You got to write them down. You got to do affirmations. You got to do this. You got to do that. You gotta, but the, the reality is it's not going to work for me because I'm not going to do it. It works for the 5% or the 20 percenters. Absolutely. But it doesn't work for, for you, George. And, and for years and years and years, Tommy, I would take my daily eight planner, okay, which I still do today, all right? But if I gave that to George, I mean, he, this, like he says, there's seven too many things on that. And, you know, for years I was trying to pigeonhole everybody, do this, do this, do this, do this, you'll be successful. And like you said, you just some people aren't wired that way. They need instant gratification today. And that's why the ER goals work so well, George. Well, and here's the other thing that's interesting is that Jim has a stack at his house of like three feet high of all those cards that he's filled out for however many years. And Jim would set the goals in all these different areas of his life, and he would hit all of them except for the physical area. And he's using exactly the same techniques that made him successful in every other part of his life, and he struggled in that area. Why? Because that was one area of his brain that the decision to work out was, is it easy? Is it safe? Is it pleasurable? No, no, no. So it doesn't get done. So he, he had to have a different strategy to tackle that. And that's the same thing as like a leader or a an owner, an entrepreneur, when you're dealing with people who are like me, that you think, well, that guy's got potential, but he's not really performing as well as he has. So when you take him, you take me and you, you give me what worked for you, you shouldn't necessarily have an expectation it's going to work for me because I am simply not thinking in the part of the brain that you are. So as an owner, as an entrepreneur, as a, as a person that's building a business, if you will approach this from a different point of view and understand that I'm not like you, I may want to be like you, I may admire you, I may wish like heck I could be like you, but, but my path to the kind of performance that you want to see in your business is going to be different. And, and Jim, you did this in your copier business when you just isolated a key activity for your salespeople. Yeah, it's, not, it's not a story I tell very often, Tommy, but we're growing our business. You know, we started with 500 bucks. We were undercapitalized. And at one point, we were 34 to 1 debt to uh, uh, equity ratio. And I mean, <laughs> I mean, we tried to sell the company to our competitors. and They didn't even want to absorb the debt. And we're sitting there one day and, and my partner says, well, why don't we just make everybody do what you do every single day? And what a novel idea that was. And we just had everybody that their one goal today was just to go out and, and to do one high leverage activity, right? And then come back at the end of the day and report on it. And just by getting people into action, and it reminds me of the old story, George. I was just I just read it the other night about three frogs on a leaf and, and they're they're floating down a river, and one frog decides to jump off. So how many frogs are left on the leaf? Most people will say two. Well, the answer is three, because deciding to jump off 
and actually jumping off right. are two entirely different things. And, right. and we just got people to, they made the decision, they jumped off and they did the activity. And if you're doing the activity on a daily basis, something called momentum happens, which is a whole different uh, ballgame as well. And when, once you made that distinction in your business, you went from a business that was ready to go under to one that was generating. Yeah, now that brings painful memories back, but we had a great sales month and we lost $50,000 and I couldn't get over it. I mean, more money was going out the back door than the, coming in the, you know, coming in the front door. But once we made that decision, we turned the company around and never made less. I mean, it took us, I think two months, but never made less than a hundred thousand dollars a month for the next seven years. And that's why we got bought out and, you know, and the kind of the rest is history. So, so I got a good question out of this because this is obviously there's the thinkers, but you did say something interesting. So you said they were able to identify these people that you said a hundred percent. So my question is I'm trying to recruit 60 technicians a month. That's my goal this year. Right. 60 brand new, never done the business. They're going to uh, apprentice for a month. I got this, but I have them take personality profiling. We do a cognitive test to find out how fast they can learn because everybody's interested, obviously, for themselves. And I want to hear a lot more. I mean, we're going to go over if you guys are okay with that. Yeah. Because I'd want those people. And here's my difference is I'm not going to have 20 people doing the same thing. I'm going to find one person that reaches out to 20 people a day. And once they mastered it, I'm going to get another one. But that's all they do. The biggest mistake I see with business owners is they go, I could have this accountant who does the finances, who does my Excel, who does the payroll, who also does all my KPI reporting. And they're a jack of everything and they never get good at anything. This is all your job is to do. And you you talked earlier about prospecting. If you're a good prospector, that's all I want you to do. And I want to know how many people you reached out to and how you follow up with them. I know these guys, they do this Monday, this Tuesday, this Wednesday, then they meet the people on Thursday. And that's fine. And that works. But me now, I'm like, do this like an assembly line. Henry Ford, this is all you're going to do. You're going to put the right brake on there and you're going to get super good at it. So I guess the question was, can we identify those people? And I guess it really is circumstantial to working out, to working in business. But for me, it would be, you know, obviously home service. That's what we do. Yeah. I mean, you can find out pretty quickly what you need is a bag of marshmallows. I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> Just like the Navy SEALs, all those guys show up the first day of Navy SEALs, Bud's training, they can't look at them and tell who's who. Yeah. You can't. So what we suggest you do is you treat everybody like they're 80% in yeah. the beginning. Because first of all, you're going to be right 80% of the time. Yeah, but you want to you, you get those 20 left over, and I actually got that written down too. Right. And elimination. The 20- you're, you're getting, it's an elimination course. And I like to send people home. That sounds really bad. But when my guys send people home, I'm like, thank God, because how much money would that have lost us if that person made it out to the field and pissed off a lot of future clients? Right. So, right. so it's almost like we treat it like an elimination course. Predictive. Yeah, and there's, that's what I use. And the, but the thing is, there's a tremendous amount of waste there. So what if we could take the top 20% of the 80% and help them make the jump. Because the interesting thing about the whole Pareto principle thing, it's a fractal, which means no matter how many times you divide and subdivide it, each group is still going to be 
a Pareto 80% group. So let's say you've got your top salespeople, the top 20%, you could take the top 20%, push them to the side of the 80%. Again and again and again. And again, and so you think of the top 20% of the 80, these are the guys that are so close. They have the skills, they have the talent, they have the prospecting ability, they have everything. They're just not consistent. And so, so now if we could empower them and give them a tool that would allow them to up their consistency level, then it's going to unbelievably up their performance level. And if you can take that top 20% of the 80 and move them over, you've doubled your business. Every 5% you move up is a 25% increase in productivity so overall. What is this tool? When you're bringing on people, you're like probably like me, Tom. Everybody I bring on, I think it's going to be a superstar. And for the most part, I mean, I'll, I'll leave them alone, let them do their thing. And then you realize that they were not part of the 20 percenters. They were part of the 80 percenters. So you treat everybody like an 80 percenter and give them a daily activity to do. And those, you know, it's, it's going to be a high leverage activity, obviously. But you're going to find out real quickly that the 20 percenters, they're going to start doing more anyway. But the 80 percenters, and even if, like George says, we, we help 20 percent of the 80 percent, what a difference that would have on your business, whether it's multi-level marketing or, or your particular uh, business. Can you imagine if we can take 20% of the 80% and raise their level? I mean, it's, it's a win-win for everybody. You know what's interesting, Jim, is you know what I've realized in the marketing that has different levels is they got smart and they're doing what I'm doing in home service is they said, shut up if you're brand new. I'm going to introduce you to the top guy that knows how to tell the story he knows the exact process and he's the best at what he does. So they say, get them to right here and then we'll take it from there. Well, nobody does that at home service. They say, every one of you technicians are trained the same and you got to take the customer all the way to the end. So we're looking at it a little bit differently and say, how do we get that one person that's great at objections, the greatest on themselves, the great at making the customer laugh? How do we get them on the phone right when they're there to push them over the edge? And that's something that I think is, is more of a specialty, but I love the idea of consistency is everything. And I want to hear how this software... So at first you started out with a cell phone, with the SMS, and then you went to Facebook. This software, first of all, how do you match up? And, and for me, I've always tried to make people more accountable. I'm like, just read five pages in this book. Just read five. I know you guys hate reading. <laughs> I can't even believe how many people, how many leaders I have in this company. And I love every one of them. Yeah. They can't stand reading. I'm like, listen to it. Right. You won't listen to it either. I got <laughs> teeth to them to listen to one of these. I'm not complaining about it, but I'm just saying, how could I get them yeah. more? If I just wanted them to read this book, let's just pretend we built a chain around this, for example. Right. Explain to me how this works in the software, what your guys' goal would be. So basically what we're setting people up in is their own little chain gangs. And what, like we say, you don't have to know the other people. You don't have to know what the other people, what their chain activity is. But what happens is people ping in during the day that I did my activity. And because the groups are three to five people, it's not so large that anybody can hide. We've had people do variations of this. They put 20 people in it. No, it's got to be three to five because you get to know the other people in your group. So somebody pings in, I did my activity. They give somebody, somebody else pings back, way to go, good job. So is there a little support and accountability? And then towards the end of the day, people tend to circle back around and say, well, where's Bob? They reach out to Bob and Bob is like, oh man, I did it earlier. Just forgot to put it in. Or I, thanks for reminding me. And just this little bit of accountability and reinforcement 
and not allowing you to forget that you were going to read the five pages out of the book. I mean, it literally overnight, people who were resistant to doing something that they knew was good for them. And on some level, they really wanted to do. But overnight, the shift is incredible. For people that are inconsistent, it raises them to about 82, 83%. For the people who are coming in who are the 20%, who are naturally 20%, the competitive juices get going and we see those people go up to 100%. They fly right up. But here, yep. here's the hard part is most people, if they're like me, and I know they're not, but they're going to choose, <laughs> hey, I want to get in shape. I'm going to be a treadmill for an hour. I'm going to do 100 push-ups. I'm going to do 200 sit-ups. And that's on a daily goal. So how do you tell them, listen, let's crawl before we walk, walk before we run. Well, what's the best way to get that message through to just say, we just want the MVP? Well, first of all, you've, yeah. you've got to start something small, okay? Something that's so ridiculous that you know, you're almost, it's almost laughable, right? And that, I think that's the challenge most people have. And, and, and it wasn't with me, with George. George's goal was to work out 45 minutes a day. So I started saying, okay, well, I'll walk, work out 45 minutes a day. Well, that didn't work for me. I had to say, hey, listen, I'm going to get down and do five sit-ups or 10 sit-ups or whatever it might be. I'm going to walk around the block. And then it got to a mile. Then it went to two miles. But you, you have to start so small. So when I, you get back, you grab your calendar or our app, and you just put an X on it and go, I am fitter. I am healthier. I feel great about myself because I did something today that's taken me in the direction that I want to go. Now, the ultimate yeah. goal might be to lose 100 pounds or whatever it might be, okay? But I want to feel better today about myself. And our goals allow you to do that. The thing is, starting small, is not, it's not a limitation or it's not unrealistic. Because all this is scalable. As you grow in skill and literal strength, we always scale up. I mean, I do that. Jim does it. All the people in our chain gang scale up. You can scale up then because you're still not violating the easy, safe, pleasurable thing. Because you've now worked up. So this is easy. This is safe. And this is pleasurable, which at the beginning, that would have been a hurdle you couldn't overcome. But the thing that we tell people is the muscle you're building in the beginning it's not physical muscle. It's not financial muscle. It's not relationship muscle. The muscle you're building in the beginning is consistency. That's the muscle you're building. And so, again, you know, we don't get hung up on what the long-term goal is. We don't get hung up on the faraway thing. Or consistently, we bring it back to this consistent focus of, I did it today. And I did it today. The multiple chains, you know, you talked about having multiple chains. I mean, I can imagine that once you get good at this and you get one or two going, you can start adding a few more, but you want to make sure you get the one down or two. Yep, absolutely. Yep. So, so the recipe for success is, do you have any way, because everybody's got, okay, I could give you a million. Like, obviously, one of my big things is calling one of my good friends more than just once a year. Because right. I'm one of those guys that I'd rather get together with you it's just tough for me, but I could come up, like I said, I could come up with a hundred. It's like, to take an area in your life. That's the most important for you, rather than be relationship, business, physical, whatever it might be, at least for your first chain, make it really important to you because when you accomplish it, right, it's going to be much more meaningful. And I started out with three or four chains because I felt I could do them. 
And there's an old Russian proverb that says, if you chase two rabbits, you catch neither, right? Take one meaningful chain and do that till you get to a point where you sometimes forget to even mark it down that you've done it. Then you know you've got a, your habit has been formed. And George, I think you started too early in one of your chains, did you not? Yeah, I started a second chain too early and it was, it didn't work for me. I mean, the thing is what literally we're doing is an exercise in neuroplasticity for people like me is I'm rewiring my brain in the area that I'm working on. And at some point, the decision is no longer made back here and it's made up here. The decision back here is, am I going to work out today? The decision up here is what workout am I going to do? And at some point in time, you find yourself making that movement to the other part of your brain where there's no doubt. Of course, we're going to work out. Of course, we're going to make the phone call. Of course, we're going to do whatever. We make the follow-up. Of course, we're going to close the thing. So that when it's no longer a decision, guess what? I mean, now you can move on. Now you can add on. And, you know, if you find yourself with, you added on a second thing too soon, that's okay. Well, then we just stop the second thing. We keep on back to the first until we get it to a place. It took me a solid year, really, for me to get my workout activity in place. But once I did, you know, then I'm, okay, I think I can, I can move on. One of the first things I talk about in my book was inspect what you expect. Hold people accountable. Figure out a way to make sure it got done. We do a lot of that through checklists and then, and really inspecting that checklist to make sure there's pictures involved. And the more accountability you can build into something like this. And then I'm also a big fan of gamification, right. but, uh, especially for my employees to say, once I know this got done. And I love the idea of just when I first thought of just getting consistent, it's of course someone like me and a lot of people I'd imagine set a huge goal. But I like the healthier and hey, I'm a little bit better than yesterday. Yep. Yeah. So if, if people want to find out, okay, first of all, this is on Amazon. Yep. Yeah. You just go to Amazon, the consistency chain. You got uh, George Campbell and Jim Packard. I'll have a link to this on the website. This is the book. And then as far as the the website or the software, is it the Play Store? How, how is that going to be your Check us out. The, the announcement will be made on consistencychain.com, and that'll be the, the way that you get to it. Okay. Like, but it's going to be that there to get the software. And then, um, yep. yeah, I love this because you match up the people. And uh, I like the idea of just, I just know certain people, and I'm not, you know, I guess I could myself, but I, I'm not going to lie about it. If it's so easy, you tell the truth about it. The only yep. person you're lying to is yourself. This is your own goal. Why not make it easy and just do it and just the three to five people in the group? It just sounds like super manageable. You've read Seven Habits of Highly Successful People and you you hear about morning routines and the 5 a.m. club and all these great books. The problem is they don't know how to build up that muscle, that cortex, that get in the habitual way of just, it's so crazy how easy people's lives are when they have these great habits. Yep. And it's like, why does everything go good for those people? But I think it's literally their sleep habits, the things they do, and it, it comes easy for them. But really what they did is they built up that muscle, like you guys said, right? Yep, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. So one thing I wanted to point out, our first book, which you bought quite a few of them, was actually called Consistencies, the, the New Currency. Yep. What we've done in our second book is we said the consistency chain for network marketing, but it really applies 
to every single business. Yep. In fact, we're going to be redoing the consistency as a new currency and update it. All the updates are in this new book, obviously. I just didn't want your audience to feel that since they're not into network marketing, it wouldn't apply to them because it really does. Oh, I love the stories. It's just such a good read. It's quick. It's easy. Both of you guys talk from your perspectives in it. There's all these little lessons throughout it. And I love it. It's simple. It's literally, I mean, there's a lot of fluff at the end of just like, it's 115. And I don't mean fluff. I just mean these pages are half. They're not, they're not full. Right. So it's really yeah. like a hundred pages. Exactly. Yeah, I remember I went to the University of Maine, so I was kind of directing it to a lot of my friends. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I believe I talked to the publisher this week. We recorded the audio version and it's apparently quite a, a deal to get it through the audible. Yeah, I had to do the same thing. Yes, but we believe it's coming out in the next week or so. So, And the I think the audio version is actually going to be a lot of fun because my voice is on it, Jim's voice is on it, and we have a, a, a woman that does the kind of the, the other narration. And so you get a sense of the personalities, and you get to hear Jim mispronounce words in a way <laughs> that only a person from Maine can do it. And that's awesome. I, I think I mentioned to him I had some ideas that they could really help. And yeah. That, that was my... Yeah, I, I looked all through idea and I couldn't find a single <laughs> R, but apparently it's there. It is. That's how Ali, he says ideas. It's funny. He's from... Um, uh, um, hey, we want to thank you for giving us the opportunity yeah. to finally come on your... Yeah, no, this podcast. is great. I, I got a few other things just that kind of wrap up with the same thing. Is there... Uh, so they get a hold of you guys. Do you want to talk about if they want to reach out to you or uh, Jim or George? What's the best way to reach out? Yeah, just is, is uh, Jim at consistencychain.com. Yep. Or, or George at consistencychain.com. And if you reach out to me, then I'll refer you to Jim at consistencychain. Yeah. George probably won't pick up the phone or, yeah. or answer the email. I mean, that's it's funny, Tom. You, I think Henry Ford once said, if you have two parties that think alike, one's not necessary. And I can tell you, George and I, uh, we compliment each other. Uh, it's funny, we'll go on an airplane, and uh, before we take off, I know everybody in first class. I mean, and George <laughs> put his headphones on and don't talk to me. And you would think that he would be an extrovert, but well, he's an 80 percenter. Hey. Uh, the 80% is not related to the introvert extrovert thing. It's oh. just, that's just an additional bonus for me to be both <laughs> an 80% and an introvert in a business that requires meeting people. <laughs> hey, I love it. You know, I always ask this every podcast, obviously pick up their book, but is there another few books that you guys would recommend? You know, it doesn't have to be business related. It doesn't have to be sales. It could be fiction. It could oh. be anything. But is there anything you'd recommend? I love the book, Never Lose a Customer Again by Joey Coleman. I think if you're in business or if you're in sales, it's one of the best books I've ever read, dealing and looking at it from the buyer's perspective. And I, I will give a shout out to our publishers who also have a really pretty great book called Go For No. Oh, yeah. Richard Fenton and Andrea Waltz. Yeah, I got that book too. It's it's very, yeah. very cool book. It just explains... Yeah. No is a good thing. I always go for no, and I, I jump right over it. Yeah. The other great one is Getting All You Can Out of All You Got by Jay Abraham. Have you read anything by Jay Abraham, Tommy? Yeah, I actually just had him on the podcast last week. He's oh. brilliant. He's amazing. 
Yeah, he's a master. He's just started out in real estate, getting getting everything you can out of all you got. And then I'm going to go off the board and say, in this time that we're living in, anyone who's got a little bit of time on their hands to tackle a 1,200-page book, I would say you can't beat Atlas Shrugged by Ayn Rand. It's a big book. I found it when I was in college. And it's one of those books that it absolutely formed and informed a great deal of my thinking. I probably read it 10 times. Really? Yeah. I read it again this last year just because it seems she, it was written in the 1940s. And you could pull everything from the headlines today and fall into the book and you wouldn't be able to tell the difference. You know, someone just told me about that and I started do, going at it and she said, you got to get through a little bit of it because it takes a minute. So I'll give it another shot. And then this is where I kind of leave off. I'm going to leave it to you guys to maybe give a few minutes each, uh, just something to take away, a piece of advice, uh, just final thoughts, maybe some take action steps, a little bit of gold, whatever you guys want to say. One of the things that um, I mentioned his book, uh, Getting All You Can Out of All You Got by Jay Abraham. In his book, he, he mentions, look at other industries, and what might be as common as dirt in one industry, if applied to your industry, could have the effect of an atomic bomb going off. And I'll give you one great example of that is that when I owned my copier company, Tommy, I took 30 employees to a trip to the Bahamas. And we went to what was a Club Med or a Sandals Resort where everything was all-inclusive. I mean, all you did is you checked in, you put your wallet in the safe, and everything at that hotel was free. I mean, from renting a sailboat or or to to get a sailboat to drinks in the pool, whatever it might be. And I came back and I go, can you imagine if I ran my copier business that way? So I came up with a program where I would approach somebody like yourself and say, I mean, I'm just going to give you the copier and I'm going to give you the toner and I'm going to give you the paper and I'm going to service it. And at the end of the month, I'm going to read the meter on the machine and bill you a nickel a copy. And that skyrocketed my business because it was just the right program at the right time. But Jay Abraham's book is the one that prompted me to look outside my own industry and look at some other industry and what they were doing and apply it to my own. So I would uh, encourage everybody to look outside the box. We just I went over that with him. And he's like, Tommy, you know, I'm a busy guy, but we got to get on the phone next time for at least make three hours. He's like, he's so busy. He goes, I'm going back to my roots right now. I used to help out other companies until I spoke all over the, the world. He goes, but now with COVID, I'm back to my roots. So because I told him some of the ideas I've gotten were from the real estate industry and the HVAC industry, applying them to garage doors. So amazing. I spent a whole week with him, Tommy, a whole Did week. You? And it was the highlight of my business career. Awesome. Thanks, Jim. That's great advice. Well, let me just say this. It's an interesting thing when Jim and I speak, we'll come down off stage and the leaders tend to gravitate to Jim. I don't know why that would be. And then... Uh, they want to see my charts. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they want, <laughs> they want to know your eight-point plan. And then I will have people... I don't know what the numbers are. I'm going to say about four and five. percent Yeah, about 80% who will come up to me and we've had people with tears running down their face and give me hugs, which I'm uncomfortable with. And 
for the first time, someone validated their experience. And if you read our book, I hope that's what I can do for you. If you've ever experienced like, I just don't understand why I can't keep the promises to myself. So my message to anyone that feels that way is you're not broken. There's nothing wrong with you. We've got a little bit of a wiring issue and we've got a plan to deal with that. So any shame and frustration you have felt, let it go. And if you've tried other things in the past that didn't work for you, I'm going to tell you right now, they were never intended to work for you. They weren't right for you. What you need is a plan for people who have a tough time following a plan. And that's what ours is. Anybody out there like that, I want to tell you, you have, there is hope, man. If I can do what I did with my track record, you can do anything that you want to do. And if you're a leader out there who's experienced frustration with people like me, understand that we ain't like you. If you want us to stay and grow and contribute, you're probably going to have to take a little bit different tack with us than the people that were like you. So take heart. There is hope. Well, I think that message goes to everybody because like you said, there's very few. If I've never met. Maybe there is, maybe like Roger Federer or Tiger, but Tiger struggled with his home life. I don't know anybody (laughs) who just, so listen, guys, I think you guys have a great message. It's amazing to get you guys on here because I have a better comprehension, even more than the book. So maybe this will have to be a part of the ending of the book that they got to watch this podcast. (laughs) I'm just kidding. But uh, thank you guys so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. You bet, Tommy. We appreciate it. Yeah, we, we look forward to coming back again sometime. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, for sure. Hey, guys, I just wanted to thank you real quick for listening to the podcast. From the bottom of my heart, it means a lot to me. And I hope you're getting as much as I am out of this podcast. Our goal is to enrich your lives and enrich your businesses and your internal customers, which is your staff. And if you get a chance, please, please, please subscribe. You're going to find out all the new podcasts. You're going to be able to ask me questions to ask the next guest coming on. And and do me a quick favor. Leave a quick review. It really helps us out when you like the podcast and you leave a review. Make it four or five sentences. Tell us how we're doing. And I just wanted to mention real quick, we started a membership. It's homeservicemillionaire.com forward slash club. You get a ton of inside look at what we're going to do to become a billion dollar company. And uh, we're just, we're, we're, we're telling everybody our secrets basically. And people say, why do you give your secrets away all the time? And I'm like, you know, the hardest part about giving away my secrets is actually trying to get people to do them. So we also create a lot of accountability within this program. So check it out. It's homeservicemillionaire.com forward slash club. It's cheap. It's a monthly payment. I'm not making any money on it to be completely frank with you guys, but I think it will enrich your lives even further. So thank you once again for listening to the podcast. I really appreciate it.